Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good on this March the 23rd in the year of our Lord 2023. It's almost time to buy Christmas presents. <laughs> Aren't you rushing things a little bit? We got to get through Easter. What do you mean rushing? Can you believe we're almost at the end of March? I know. And ready for Holy Week and Easter. Yes, yes, I am having fun doing the various Lenten services. This year I chose to do Lenten hymns. And so that's what we've been looking at. And we're going to be doing that through Holy Week also. But it's, it's sure a lot of fun. And uh, with emails that we have gotten, and the one I want to talk about today is what is the gospel? And so this person writes about the gospel. Uh, it's R.C. Sproul, S-P-R-O-U-L. He was the founder of Legionnaire Ministries and has written some books and is on a number of radio stations. But I wanted to take a look at this because a lot of times people have the right view of the gospel, but also within it, they have the wrong view. So let's kind of start with what he says about being no greater message to be heard from the Bible but that which we call the gospel. But he says it is often given to massive distortions or oversimplifications. And he gives some way that that happens. Can you share that with us? Well, first of all, he says the preaching of the gospels when someone tells you that you can have a purpose in your life or that you can have meaning to your life, or that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, all those things are true, but they don't get to the heart of the gospel. Because he says the gospel is called good news. And why does he say that? Well, because it addresses the, the most serious problems that you have and you and I can have as human beings. And the problem is simply this. God is holy, he is just, and I am not. And what's going to happen at the end of our life with that kind of thinking? Well, in Corinthians it says that we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, we stand before our just and holy God and we'll be judged on the basis of our own righteousness or lack of it or the righteousness of another. Now, that's interesting that we're going to be judged either on the basis of our own righteousness or the righteousness of another. And he therefore gets into what is the good news of the gospel. Right. 
You know, it kind of reminds me, uh, I like to play chess on the computer. Oh, yeah. And it'll, it'll keep statistical references on on how many games you've lost, how many games you won. And there's one level that I always play, and uh, I can get it. The best I've ever gotten it was 660 wins without a loss. And I always end up somewhere with a loss. I, no matter how hard I try, I can't. I can't keep a perfect score. And it kind of reminds me of of our own righteousness. No matter how hard we try, at some point we're going to fail. Yes, he says, God has done for me what I could not possibly do for myself. In other words, he not only has lived that life of perfect obedience, but what else did he do? Well, he offered himself as perfect sacrifice to satisfy the justice and righteousness of God. In other words, he took our place. You know, it was weeks ago we celebrated the baptism of Christ by John John the Baptist. John's Baptist uh, right. baptism was a baptism of repentance. And it was there that Jesus took on the sins of the whole world. Yes. In, in, in other words, the righteousness we get is because the Holy Spirit has given us faith in the promises of the Bible. And when you have faith in the promises of the Bible, then you are declared to be righteous. And we get that from Abraham. What happened with Abraham where God declared him to be righteous? Well, Abraham believed and God credited to him as righteousness told him that he would be uh, the head of, of a big family, and uh, he believed that God was going to do it. You know, one night he went out and counted the stars, because he said his family would be as numerous as the stars out there. Yes, and the promise that he believed was at the age of 75, he was promised that he and Sarah who was 60, would have a baby and named Isaac. But that promise didn't come true for another 25 years. And yet when he heard it, even though they were well past childbearing age, he believed it. And because he believed the promise, he was declared to be righteous. It kind of reminds me of uh, the story of Joseph. He believed in the promises of God, even though he was sold into slavery, was in prison, and and so forth. He never lost hope in, in, in God. Yes. In fact, Sproul goes on to say, for God to forgive you is a very costly matter, but you don't pay the cost. What was the cost that saves you? Well, the cost was the sacrifice of his own son, Jesus. So yes. valuable was that sacrifice that God pronounced it valuable by 
raising him from the dead. So Christ died for us. And he was raised for our justification. justification. So he says the gospel is something objective. Now, I, I found that interesting because we make a distinction between the objective gospel and the subjective gospel. Can you explain the difference? Well, the objective, yeah, as I was reading, it reminded me of my seminary day where the class after class they would talk about our objective justification is something outside of us, and that outside of us was that person of Jesus Christ. And subjective is, is within, within ourselves, uh, kind of like our own work righteousness. Well, the object of justification refers to the fact that God paid the sins of everyone. You can even go to an unbeliever and tell him that his sins are forgiven. And if he listens to you and hears about Jesus, the Holy Spirit can grant him faith to believe that. The subject of justification is where he receives that faith and appropriates the message of Jesus Christ to himself. So Sproul says the Bible makes it clear that when we are justified, it is not by our works, not by our efforts, not by our deeds, but he says by faith and by faith alone. Now, up to that point, I don't have too much of a problem with this article until we get near the end, where he talks about how you can receive the benefit of Christ's life and death. How does he say that happens? Well, by putting your trust in him and him alone, you're declared just by God, by adopted into his family. So towards the end, he, he's saying that we can we can do it. And is he correct? I don't think so. Not at all. See, this is where, even though he has some pretty good information about the, what the gospel is, the death and the resurrection of Christ, when he talks about how you receive the benefits of Christ's life and death, it's by making a decision to put your trust in him and him alone. And when you do that, you're declared just by God. I don't know anybody in the whole Bible who is an unbeliever that decided to have faith in God and trust his promises. That never happens. No. And we, we had, with the last Sunday's gospel was about the blind man. And uh, you could see how he came to faith through, through Jesus. Remember he asks Jesus, or Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man, which is the name for Jesus uh, in the Old Testament? And he says, yes, who is he? 
that I may believe. And Jesus says, the one who is talking to you, me, I am that person. And immediately the man born blind, who now sees, he worships Jesus. So he received faith by hearing the word from Christ himself, which is what we do in sermons, is it not? Right. Well, reminds me of Romans chapter 10. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Exactly. But how about an infant? What is the means of salvation for an infant? Uh, it's remarkable to watch the, the baptism of an infant, that the Holy Spirit enters into the into the, the infant and it becomes a believer through holy baptism. So the way you receive the benefit of all of the great blessings of Christ's life and death and resurrection is that the Holy Spirit gives you faith to believe the unbelievable. And when you do that, just as with Abraham, you de are declared just by God, you're adopted into his family, you're forgiven of all of your sins, and you are on your way to heaven as an eternity. Isn't that wonderful news? Especially every day when, when we struggle with our sins, we have to remind ourselves to go back to the cross of Christ or go, go to our baptism and remind ourselves that we are washed clean through the blood of Christ. Yes, if somebody asked me, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? I can say, yes, I will. And then they'll ask, why? You think you're that good? I say, no, I am baptized. Yeah, well, like last... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Like last night, I was with some friends of mine, and I said I couldn't be with them next Saturday. They said, why? Because I said I needed a good night's sleep to get ready for Palm Sunday and Holy Week. They looked at me and they go, oh, you know, it was time to witness to them about yes. getting ready for Easter. Yes. Well, Palm Sunday is what, two Sundays away? Yeah, two Sundays. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Yeah, I'm already this is making the last preparations. It's getting to be a uh, time to really celebrate coming up. Yep. The high point of the Christian year is Easter. Now, another email we received is by Felicia Tucker. And she talks about the danger of using God's will to answer pain and tragedies. What is she really saying? Well, if we're honest, what is God's will and how do we know his will is more confusing and comforting. She's having a problem with understanding when pain and tragedy comes into to the life of a person. How do we explain it? And yet, I don't know of anything that happens in my life that is not according to God's will. 
Do you know anything? No. Well, there again, it reminds me of the story of Joseph. I mean, he certainly went through some pain and tragedy and uh, never lost the faith. And when his brothers threw him into a hole and then sold him so he became a slave in Egypt, was that according to God's will? God worked, uh, or as Joseph went on to say when he finally met up with his brothers again, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Excellent. That, that's very important to understand. It is never God's will that you and I sin. But when we do, and we are believers, God will always work it out to our good. And sometimes that's good to know. I got stopped by police not long ago on my trips around Illinois. And the reason I had gotten stopped, I wasn't going over the speed limit or anything, but he pulled me over. My left front headlight had gone out. And here I was on these country roads. So why did God allow that? Well, he allowed it, but he allowed a policeman to pull me over. And so I was more careful. I would hit my high beams when I saw a car coming, turn them off when they got close, just so they knew I wasn't a motorcycle. <laughs> mm. So even the burned out headlight was the will of God. And the policeman stopping me was really his will to help me be more careful. Yeah, I've, I've seen it in my life where, well, in fact, just a few days ago, an intersection that I generally go into for whatever reason, I was five minutes late getting there, and there was a pile up in that intersection as I came came to it. So, you know, just just that difference, you know, you got to believe God's watching over you. Yes. We drive just 300 miles each time we go to a church. Um, and every now and then there's a traffic jam, especially on Highway 270. But you have to get on there to get over to Illinois and such. And we have sat there sometimes for five or ten minutes. And they're really doing a lot of construction there. So that's why we love leaving Sunday morning around 4 a.m. Because mm. there's very little traffic. I can go through cities and miss every red light, which gets me to the church on time. And that's God's will. So taking a look here, at this article, there are many a time, have you not said this, when somebody goes through a tragedy or has an injury or an accident or loses their job, and we say, this is according to the will of God. Is that wrong to say that? No. I mean, no. You're you, correct. You, well, it kind of reminds me, it takes me back to, 
to the Garden of Adam and Eve, wherein where sin entered into the world. A lot of this pain and suffering that we go through sometimes is a result of of original sin in our life. Yes. And it's important to understand that the will of God still worked out good for Adam and Eve because what does Genesis 3.15 say? Oh, you got me on that one. I was... Oh, no, that's the messianic promise to the serpent. Oh, you crush his head. Yes. Mm. The, the Messiah will crush the head of the serpent, but he will wound the ankle of the Messiah, which is referring to the crucifixion. So yeah, even the um... sin of Adam and Eve worked out for the good. Yeah, on on the uh, class ring that we have from the seminary, from Fort Wayne on the side, it has the cross, and underneath the cross it has the head of the serpent showing it, showing it being crushed. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was unaware of that ring. So that that's and, interesting. Well, yes. I never got a... I never got a class ring from high school. Didn't get one when I was in college. But I always said if I ever went to the seminary, I was going to give me a class ring. And you did. Yep. You know, we had that terrible controversy in the Synod where 80, 90% of the students walked out of the seminary and became a seminex, a seminary in exile because they disagreed with the teachings of the Bible. And mm. they called themselves Elam, Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mission. And they had a plant on a button they would wear. And they were saying that that new plant was their church. So I wore that button when I went to some of their conventions but guess what I put on the button? A uh, serpent? Yep. <laughs> oh my so goodness. they saw the button and thought I was one of them and said, oh, good to have you. Who are you? And I told them who I was. And then they looked closer and saw the serpent on their plant. And boy, did they get mad at me. <laughs> Oh no! You know what's on the other side? Side the one side of the ring was the cross with, with uh, the serpent underneath. Yeah. Right. On the other side of the ring, it had a, a picture of Luther. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do they still yeah. sell those at the Fort Wayne Seminary? Oh yeah, you can get get a seminary ring. It'll say Concordia Theological Seminary Fort right. Wayne. And then in the center is your, you put your birthstone with the cross of Christ. Yes. So that can become a conversation piece. Oh, Somebody yeah. sees, where'd you get that ring? I'm unfamiliar as to whether the seminary in St. Louis has a similar type of ring. Are, are you, oh, do you I, know about that? I, no, I don't know, but I bet you they do. You, I mean, they don't, don't have a, 
it's a gen- generic for the seminary, so it isn't any particular year or year that you well, get it. Well, they do have a motto, Light of the World. Mm. And so maybe they do have a ring. I'll, I'll try and find that out. But um, that that's very interesting. So what we have here is a woman who doesn't want to say when bad things happen to her that that's the will of God. And my question is, well, if it's not the will of God, whose will is it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can, I, it reminds me of the Bible passage that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, it's the Apostle Paul. And that's in the midst of the struggles that we go through in our lives. That he did promise us a, a rose garden, but he did promise us salvation. Well, that's a good Christ way to end this program. Thanks very much. And Pastor Reimnitz, and I'm Tom Baker. Uh, tomorrow, open line. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.